Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with Privacy Mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is. Drawing board or... Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Uh, Wow, it's another week, and football is the headline, Ralph. And I know you're a I know you're a football fan. And the two schools, uh, the two schools, Virginia Tech and the University of Virginia, have, have got their guys now. November thirtieth, Brent Pry was hired at Virginia Tech, and then this week, of course, uh, Tony Elliott said yes to Carla Williams and the University of Virginia. So, how many how many coaching changes did you have to go through as a player? Yeah, Mike, I went through a few, but can you imagine two of the best football teams in college football in the state of Virginia get a new coach the same year. Had, had that ever happened? Number one. Yeah, yeah. And two, coaching changes are always tough, uh, especially, you know, Bronco Mendenhall doing the way he did it. Uh, and the players probably got shocked. Uh, I did it in uh, Golden State when we had George Carl and then we got Don Nelson. So I go from George Carl, which was, you know, really good coach. Mm-hmm. But I go to Don Nelson, which was actually a better coach, but I didn't expect him to be a better coach. But he was a general manager and a part owner and a wow. coach. Wow. So he had all the power and control of that team. So it was kind of chaotic for a little bit. But if the student athletes embrace this guy, I mean, he's coming from a good program in Clemson, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I know the coach at Clemson a little bit, met him a few times, but that program over the last number of years has been tops in the country. So I think we got to go in that UVA, but time will tell. But I think, um, you know, we, we, we did get Point Dexter, which I thought would be maybe a better choice because of the UVA tie. But I think we got somebody that can start, turn the program around and take it to where it needs to go. Yeah, interesting, you know, concept too. When you look at what happened with Virginia Tech and their basketball, was it three years ago? Mike Young takes over, uh, has done an outstanding job. They're going to be, you know, really good this year. And of course, the Tony Bennett story goes without saying because I think Tony's first practice or first couple of practices never had a basketball. And right. so those guys, because it was all defense, they get your knees bloody. And so it was, you know, and, and the, so the, the student athletes, Oh, this is how it's going to be, you know? So uh, pretty interesting. Anyway, Brent Pry, uh, this goes back. I just want to bring a couple of sound bites to the table today. 
Uh, Brent Pry and, and both these guys are going to take their time in building their staffs. Here's Brent Pry talking about the guys he's looking for to be with Virginia Tech. Guys that can be trusted to, to do things the way we want to do them. You know, this isn't just about X's and O's. It's about uh, developing these young men and embracing this community and treating people the right way. And, you know, so we're going we're gonna to take our time and make sure we get the right people in the door. 51-year-old Brent Pry, I think he's going to be a good one. 11 years with James Franklin at uh, Penn State, one of the top defensive coordinators in the country. And then up the road in Charlottesville, Carla Williams got her man, naming Tony Elliott, the former Clemson coordinator, the head coach at the University of Virginia. Bricks and mortar is, is, is nice, and the young people want to see bricks and mortar. Uh, but we all know that that's not what makes a home. It's the people inside. So we got to establish that first and then build. And as we build, then we'll continue to, to branch out. Uh, but we're going to take it one step at a time, starting with the foundation, which is the culture, and then the facilities will come, and we can take off from there. So, Ralph, the University of Virginia gets Tony Elliott, Virginia Tech, lands Brent Pry from Penn State and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the two build the programs now and you know keep the Old Dominion keep the Commonwealth relevant as far as ACC football you know Ralph we should feel honored to have the you know with Virginia and Virginia Tech your you know Mike Young's your Tony Bennett's and now with Brent Pry and Tony Elliott just looking at the collection and you think about the other schools in the state uh, what's happened at JMU, the growth at Old Dominion, you know, stepping up to uh, D1 conferences. I mean, just think about what's happening in the state of Virginia. This is really becoming a hotbed for not only talent, but also college athletics. And that's a good thing. Mac, I mean, you mentioned Tony Bennett and, and, and we mentioned Clemson. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony Bennett's a different animal. Yeah. Uh, but, but if you can if they could, anybody in the country can get a little bit of what he preaches, not just the game and X and O, but the philosophy and the strategy about the game of sports and life, you, you got to build a program. And I don't want this guy to come in and build it four or five years. And also we got to get a new coach. Let's build right. a program at UVA. That's like a Clemson. That's like a, a Penn state that has a, a, a name. If we, we try to raise all this money to build a football program, then let's build a football program. Right. And I think, this will start the new Carla Williams era, right? Because yeah. this is the first coach yeah. she had to hire. Ralph, that's very well said. Brent Pry at Virginia Tech, Tony Elliott at the University of Virginia, two top-notch coordinators, and now to make impact. And when you throw in Mike Young and you throw in Tony Bennett and plus all the other coaches in this state, this is one hotbed of college athletics. And uh, I think, it, you know, it's only going to get better, right? Well, hey, a great show planned for today because a guy who started in Memphis, Tennessee and has become one of the world's best saxophone players. He even toured with Whitney Houston. He's been in movie scores. He's won a Grammy. He's been nominated for 12 more Grammys. He's the one, the only Kirk Whalem. And we talk to him next on Center Court on the Winner Circle Network. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Sampson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. 
If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. It is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network, and today uh, Kirk Whalem is our guest, an American jazz saxophonist, songwriter. He toured with Whitney Houston for more than seven years. He soloed in her single, I Will Always Love You, the best-selling single by female artist in music history. He has performed with Luther Vandross, and uh, he's recorded a series of well-received solo albums, film soundtracks, and he has a new Christmas album out, which we will talk about a little later. Ralph, so with this special guest, I'm going to let you do the honors. Uh, thanks, Mac. Thanks. This is, this is special for me because, you know, a, a year ago or so, during the, the pre-pandemic or whatever it was, my daughter, Rachel, she put together this tape, and I actually put it out on social media. Well, this tape mm-hmm. of my 60th birthday it had Kurt, it had Magic Johnson, it had Bill Russell, it had Ivy Brothers, it had Earth, Wind, and Fire. She had a whole cast of characters on that because she knew I had, uh, had, had these artists that I love. And I thank Kurt for actually doing that. But my, my daughter, she was, I say, how did you do that? How did you reach out to this guy? <laughs> and he responded, and you got him. So, and, and Max, she was in Dubai, and she did it from Dubai. So, Kurt, how I appreciate that? you doing that. And uh, thanks again because that's. That's one of the special moments in my life, having my daughter do that, reach out to someone like you that we go way back into the early 80s. So thanks for being on with us, and uh, how you doing? Man, I I, I, I celebrate uh, daughters. Let me say that first of all. I have two, two daughters, two sons, and six grandkids, and they split evenly, girls and boys. But man, there's something about those girls, man. They have a way of just, you know, pulling your heartstrings, and that's like, they ain't nothing like daddy, you know? And yeah. so... Man, you know, I'm just so grateful that she was able to reach me. And, um, you know, I forgot to ask her since she's all in Dubai. I'm like, hey, get up, get a brother some gigs over there in Dubai. I mean, you know, <laughs> she can do that. Her, 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 her husband's in the oil and gas business, so he's very large over there. So nice. We, we'll definitely set something up over there. And I'd like to take that trip, too, because I, I haven't <laughs> been yet. I haven't been yet. She's like, wow, Dad, okay. five years now, you know, five years, two grandkids, one on the way and uh, two girls, now a boy coming. And I haven't been there yet, so yeah, I look yeah. forward to that. To be from the state of Tennessee and to be in Memphis, you almost have to grow up loving the blues, right? And 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 being a musician. Well, it's interesting, Mac. And by the way, the guy who was mixing my sound when I met Ralph McDonald was a guy named Mac McDonald. So when I saw Mac <laughs> McDonald on the thing, I'm like, oh, how, they? <laughs> like what the how did we do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, it really wasn't that, Mac, because, you know, in, in Black culture, it's like, it's an unfortunate truth that, that we don't grow up with the true appreciation and respect 
for our art. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in Memphis. Man, the last thing I wanted to hear was some blues. You know, I'm like, <laughs> man, I just that old folks, old fogey music. I don't want that, you know. And so, you know, but I remember, I remember hearing something by Albert King, man, uh, the, the great Memphis legend, Albert King. And he yeah. was, you know, all the, the, the rockers, you know, the, the, you know, all the Beatles. Everybody was trying to come to Memphis to, to hang out with these original sure. blues cats, you know. Uh, the Rolling Stones, they all came here. And Albert King told one of them, he said, yeah, well, you know what? My name is Albert King. And you might want to remember that because I'm going to be around. Mm. And what he was saying was that the music that stemmed from that music that we rejected as young black folks, right, growing up, we didn't right. know nothing. You know, that's sure. the problem with being young. He, he, you know, he was right, man. That music to this day has outlasted every single fad, every musical trend, everything that's hot. Blues is still here and people, more people are listening to blues today than ever. And that's in every country. So I'm so privileged, man, to live again. And this birthplace of birthplace of the blues, as you say, Bill Street, Memphis, yeah. Tennessee. And I, and I was a hypocrite, man. And I have to say now, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I do. I do recognize the, the genius of this music. Yeah, that's that. that yeah, my, I can go back to my dad and mom and with the blues and with uh you know, spiritual stuff as well. I know you got some spiritual uh, albums as well that I love. And, you know, and I, I go back to that with you, especially for um, Cow Smile and Afterthought. Yes, Those sir. two resonate. So for me, as I always say, a blues national anthem, you know, that Earth, Wind and Fire has, you know, reason and everybody has their song that's a national, but for me, for you, I don't know, it might be different for you, but those two songs always, always resonate with me as Kirk Whalen's national anthem especially Afterthought and Kyle Smile. So I know Kyle yeah. Smile is special to you as well. So tell yes. me about that song in general, because that uh, I, I was playing it before you got on here. So like, okay, yeah. Mac, we got to highlight those in the show as well. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you very much, Brother Ralph. And uh, yeah, you're right. You know, at the time, uh, Ruby and I were trying to have kids, man, and we had lost a, a boy, man. He, he was born premature and he lived three days, man. And so yeah. it was just mm. so very hard. You know, we were 22, 21. Well, she was 21. I was 22. But man, just, you know, Kyle was first, it was like God's promise that we, that we were able to, to see manifest. And he was literally born on Thanksgiving day. Yeah. And so, wow. you know, now I look back. And so when he, you know, again, I got four kids, right? So each one of them got to go out on the road with me when I was with Whitney Houston, because that, that, that itinerary was so crazy. You know, we were like making sure that they, you know, <laughs> knew who I was, you know? <laughs> so, you know, when I was home, we would be at the park, right? When I was on the road, I, I would take one of them with me at least for a week or two. So I took Kyle, right? And when he was seven years old and I, and I look back now, man, my son, Kyle, I guess he must've been paying attention because now he's playing with Kelly Clarkson oh, on wow. the Kelly wow. Clarkson. So, so when you see the bass player on the Kelly Clarkson show, that's Kyle Whalem and that's from Kyle Smiles. And, yeah. you know, and he's playing with Katy Perry. I basically, he kind of splits his time between the two but his main gig is Kelly Clarkson. And man, you know, just speaking of that, Whalem's my, my nephew, Ken, is a great saxophone player. You'll see his music, great vocalist, songwriter. My nephew, Cameron, plays with Bruno Mars. So when you hear him singing, you know, I'm gonna leave the door open. Look at that, that handsome brother on the left. That's my nephew, Cameron. And they're all K's. So Kirk, Cameron, Kyle, Ken, all of them. So you can't miss them. Kirk, do you have to be an Elvis fan to grow up in Memphis? <laughs> right. you, you don't, you don't. And again, but Elvis, it was the same story, you know, like you, you grow up, you know, with a certain kind of tip on your shoulder, you know, you know, because the reality of the culture 
is that it's so bifurcated. It's so, you know, you, the racism was so thick. And, mm -hmm. and so you, you hear you got Elvis, who is right, he's an international star. But at the same time, what you know is that, okay, the white guy can do this thing that these black folks have been doing for years and all of a sudden, boom, he's global. Mm -hmm. The exact same thing, right? It just so happens he does it well and he's a beautiful specimen of a human being, right? And, 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 and so those are the types of things that we have to grow up to kind of get our head around. And, 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 and you know, I'll mention this, and Elvis was a beautiful person. He was such a sweet guy that he never, it was never any pre pretense, like, you know, they say he's the king of rock and roll. He's like, roll his eyes, man. He said, you, I'll take you over here to this gospel church, this black church, right. and I'll show, you the, <laughs> I'll show you the king of rock and roll. Or I'll, show, I'll take you to Bill Street, and I'll show you about 10 kings of rock and roll. But, <laughs> but you know, he rolled with it, man. And you know what? He's such a, a beautiful cat. I finally, as an adult, literally, Mac, I'm from here, man. I was right. 55 before I ever went to Graceland. And when I finally went, man, I said, you know, I get it. I, I get it. This guy, you know, it was really what killed him. It was that that whole wearing the crown of like you. The, yeah, you can't sure. just be good. You got to be the king of this or the king of that. And, and no, no human being is meant to do that, man. So it just it was so hard on him. He ended up, man, just. Yeah, you saw what happened. But what, did you ever meet him then? Oh, no, I was a kid, man. You know, you know, uh, in fact, when he passed, I was, I think, 17, 18, and, and I was performing here in Memphis. He used to have something called Liberty Land mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, theme park. And, man, you know, I was playing in a show here, believe it or not, at 18, man. And when he passed away, shh, that was it, man. That was a wrap. They closed I, that I, place down. I was actually my first radio job spinning records. And when he passed, our teletype dinged, and I was playing Kentucky Rain. <laughs> at the time at the, when we got the announcement that he had died i was playing yeah. kentucky rain man i've recorded a couple <laughs> of his songs by the way you know uh that's all right mama you know we do these kind of jazz you know sure. sort of r&b versions of his stuff and again that was his heart like you know that was what made him tick like that all that old soul and r&b and gospel music man, that was what he really loved. And that's what he brought to the world. Sure, and so we sure. feel very proud now, I guess, looking back, you know what, in a, in a way, he sort of represents all of us. That's great. It does that. And rock and roll and all the other stardom stuff, Elvis and the rest of the crew. But you go from Elvis, Mac, to Whitney Houston. As he yeah, to. pretty good jump, right? And what was it like? You mentioned on the road, take your kids on the road, but her voice and your music, I mean, that's just off the chart. Oh, man, Ralph, you know, it, it was such a uh, serendipity when I even got to work with her, because as you know, you saw my, you know, incremental yes. path. I was, you know, little by little doing my thing, jazz, saxophone, smooth jazz, whatever they call it. And, and you know, I get a call from my buddy, Ricky Minor, uh, who just got promoted to musical director for Whitney. He had been playing with her, but now he was the boss. And he, he went to her dad, her manager, John Houston, and he said, okay, first thing, in order for me to take this job, I need to hire a proper Whitney Houston band. So y'all basically kind of got just a mediocrity. He said, now I can hire, I can hire the band. He said, it's going to cost you about five times as much as you're paying now. And he said, basically, if it doesn't blow your, your, your brain, if blood doesn't completely knock you out, he said, you don't owe me nothing and I don't even want the job. Yeah. And so basically he put his own reputation on the line, man. And uh, of course, you know, I mean, he hired, you know, Ricky Lawson, but Justman, yeah. you know, uh, Paul Jackson Jr., you know, Ray, Ray Fuller. We were all studio musicians in L.A. 
So it wasn't like no Trumps in the band, you know? Right. Yeah. And so to get us to go on the road, it, just that alone was going to cost them because we were making so much money staying there doing sessions. Long story short, man, she embraced it. We became brothers and sisters. She called me Bishop. Uh, she never called me Kirk. I mean, after about the first month, because I would do, I would always do the, the you know, the, the prayer and I would do the right, Bible right. study and stuff for her. And because um, she loved Jesus, man, she was showing up in love with him. And, you know, it's hard, man. The, the more money and the more fame you get, the further away sometimes you get from what you really love. And and you can't tell who's really on your team. You know, you're like, right. hey, I think most of these people are here for the money, including a lot of the family. Right. So, wow. yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. You know, wow. So, you know what, what that's all about. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome in Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. And our guest today is Kirk Whalem, no stranger to success. He has been nominated 12 times for Grammys. He won his first Grammy Award in 2011. And yes, he's got a Christmas album out. How does Christmas sound? We met in 83, um, and we alluded to this uh, offline here, but in 83, I'm new to Houston. Kurt's new to Houston. Warren Moon's new to Houston. The next year, we got to keep, well, Clem Olajuwon was at the uh, University of Houston that first year, and he came on in. But we would go to the Western Hotel and the Galleria and up in the top. I mean, with nothing to do in Houston for us, but just play basketball and listen to music. We had a bad team my first year, and then everything was happening. But, Kirk, take us back to that, because I remember it very vividly. We up in the top, and you up there performing, just beginning your career. Basically, Warren said the same thing. He had come from the Canadian League, come to Houston. He got a world of football. I got basketball. Kirk got music. We all just, like, young and trying to figure this thing out. So (laughs) that was special for me. That's where this thing started. So what was your remembrance of, you know, just playing there and getting started? Because it was still off the chart back then. Yeah, thank you. So I went to Houston to go to Texas Southern and, uh, you know, and I, and I, I begged my wife to come after that. She was at Spelman. And uh, so she, you know, at the time, my girlfriend, and she came. And so we just adopted Houston and Houston adopted us. And by the time I met you, I had kind of gone to what we would call the, the pinnacle, I guess, literally, because it's on top of a building in the Galleria, the <laughs> pinnacle of what you can do in in a, in a town like Houston, you know, so from there, I had to figure out how to jump from that to the national international stage. But I, you know, it, it, it's just a, it's a twine cost, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, same with your career. It's like, you can be ever so good, but it takes those other things that happen along the way. Right. And so for me, I was in Houston at that time playing at the roof, got a call from a guy named Otha Carpenter. He was an attorney there in town, but he was from Memphis. But he was promoting concerts on the side. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Bob James in here. But there's one oh. thing I have to do. He said, I have to have you at your band open the show. And we were like, well, man, that'd be great. You know, and, and I'm like, I'll never meet Bob James. But at least I'll be in the same room with him. Sure enough. And, you know, people know Bob James because he, yep. he wrote the music to Taxi. You know, people mm-hmm. who don't know jazz, at least they know the show Taxi. So Bob says, he says when that concert happened, he said the crowd peaked. He was in his dressing room. And I'm out there thrashing with my band, man. We've been playing together six nights a week. You know, Ralph and Akeem and them would come hear us while we were working stuff out. Well, guess <laughs> what, man? 
I, we were we were killing. <laughs> and Bob said <laughs> the, the the audience peaked before exactly. he ever got out. <laughs> yes. So he said, I know how to keep that from happening. I'm gonna hire this little sucker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the rest is history, man. Oh, I mean, two weeks later, I was in New York playing with him. Two months later, I was in Japan. I was I was all over the world with him. Wow. Yeah, great yeah. stuff. You know, one of the things in your bio that I noticed and that I, I made a footnote of is that you had a very good friend, a saxophonist and astronaut, Ron McNair, who died in the Challenger disaster. Uh, Kirk, that that had to just literally tear your heart out, I would think. Oh, I, I just, you know, even to this day, I, I, I think about it, almost like I just sort of jump up and say, man, did that really happen? Mm -hmm. You know, because I remember distinctly just watching that footage and I couldn't I couldn't wrap my mind around it, man. But he would <clears throat> funny story about meeting Ron. Same thing. I'm up there playing. In fact, this was at Cody's, Ralph. You remember Cody? Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, absolutely. so, you know, I, I'm, I'm playing at this. It's on the top of another building. And uh, this cat comes up to me, he's introduced himself. I'm Ron McNair. You know, I'm in the astronaut program. Blah, blah. Oh, wow, that's awesome. So months later, I saw him again at the club. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to be a good host. I'm like, ah, Ron, Ron, Ron. Like, I, I remember. Don't tell me, see you. Are you a flight attendant or something? <laughs> <laughs> and the dude, he he had these big these big thick glasses. Man, he was a genius, you know. And he he said, uh, "I'm an astronaut, man. Can you imagine, man? I was trying to crawl under the rug if I could get under the carpet to to crawl out the back door of the club because I felt just that stupid." But that, but from that point, we were we were buddies, man. And and he was he came to me. He wanted me to help him put something together to record in the shuttle because he he went up twice. You know, he went up yeah, once, yeah. you know, and and he recorded this thing on saxophone. It was the first piece of recorded music in space. Wow! Wow! Some some dummy with some you know experiment with rats erased what he recorded. Yeah. Uh, uh. So uh, it so to this day it doesn't exist. So when he when he perished in the shuttle, Jean-Michel Jarre came to, to town, you know, and you know, I speak French, so it was it was a connection. I was able to to hook up with him, but but they Ramadier's wife asked me to play part in this big celebration where we, you know, we just basically celebrated Ron's life, man. Wow, wow. I mean experiment with rats. I mean, that experiment didn't go well. Come on. I mean, I'm gonna experiment with rats in space. I, why can't I experiment with rats in on Earth? But anyway, I, I, the space thing bogs my memory, but to, to erase something like that, and obviously at least hopefully you can uh bring that back a little bit. But you know, you go from 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 the spacecraft to you know worldwide attention, you know, in a short period of time, but you've been able to maintain. You know, we talked about Whitney, we talked about Elvis, but you've been able to maintain that that Kurt Welling mystique for now a lot of years. Obviously, parents had something to do with that from the beginning, structure-wise. When you got these young kids out here, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of young kids. You know, my father played the sax as well, so I, I remember his days. But how do you teach a young kid today? What would you say to kids that maybe listen to us that's in the music and that want to become you or, 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 or be like you or play sure. like you? Yeah, yeah. Because I know the family structure a little bit. I know it comes from that. I have the same thing. But yeah, what, what's your key to that success? Because you know, you 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 just beginning, really. That exactly. Right. Well, well, you know what, man. I mean, first of all, I didn't know your dad played sax, man. That's too yeah, cool. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, as you know, Ralph, you know, there there are a lot of ways of doing this. You know, and some of them, you know, like we have American Idol, right? And we have yeah. the Voice, and we have all of that. Um, 
that's not what I call reality. You know, it's, it's a quote unquote reality show. Right. And so you're going to this is the winner and this is the loser and whatever. And it's it's just so completely not it. It's almost like having a, a you know, uh, you know, the 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 basketballs, uh, the, the boys, you know, like somebody, oh, this cat here, though, this lady here is going to be the very best in the world because they won this one game. Right. You know, it, it's meaningless. You know, I mean, yeah, a lot of them end up with careers and, and doing well. In fact, you know, I can say Kelly Clarkson, you know, she won and, you know, my son has a job, you know, <laughs> but, but I'm going to say that the, 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 there's no shortcuts, man. There's no shortcuts to being, to mastering your craft. See, that's some kind of, I feel like old fogey saying that, man, but it's about mastering your craft. It's about going to your resting place someday, being able to say, man, I may not have been the very best. I might not have made all the money, but I was freaking good. I yeah. was mm -hmm. good because I worked at it all the time. I was always about being better today than I was yesterday. And I'm going to yeah. be better tomorrow. So that's it. It's like get with somebody. Now you got YouTube, all kinds of ways they can study. Get on it. Don't just take anything for granted. Well, I so, mean, they, they got YouTube and Oh, we, we didn't have all that stuff. We didn't have social media, being a social media influencer. I mean, you had to work the hard way. I mean, now you can go YouTube, put it out there, and somebody might find you even easier today than they did back then. Ralph, I had to get in my car after practicing all day and I mean, maybe rehearsing with the band. Then I had to get in my car and get up there, unpack my instruments, take care of business, say hello to people, welcome them, make them feel at home, play a set of music, you know, deal with, you know, uh, the, the, the sort of... HR situation of having a band and dealing with <laughs> right, all right. Of that. You had to do stuff like that, man. And, and again, I, I just feel so old putting it like this, but, <laughs> but it really hasn't changed. I mean, the people who are out there really doing Kendrick Lamar, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, her, H-E-R, people like that, man, they're working hard at their craft. It's, it's, no, it's no reality show. So, Kirk, the music industry has changed quite a bit then. I mean, you've seen it all, right? Whew. Man, I mean, just, you know, that, that was stuff like when I met Ralph, you know, he probably, he had my cassette tapes, you know what I mean? You know? On a Sony Walkman, that's what it was on the screen. <laughs> you had the pad you know, you, on the box, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, see them, you see them getting on off the bus, you know, they had, you know, they had their sweats on and they had a cassette player, you know, but, you know, nowadays, you know, I got this, this rack of these things called CDs, man, and it's just, it's almost almost meaningless, except like in Japan and other places, Africa, where people want a physical copy of things. But mm -hmm. no, that's that that ship has sailed. And now it's about streaming and it's about brand alliances and all these highfalutin marketing terms. And but at the end of the day, back to your point, Ralph, if mm -hmm. you if it's a young person who wants to do this well, again, I, I might not be the hippest and you might want to move on and find somebody else to be looking for that. <laughs> but if you talk about doing this well, I know I'm good at it because I work hard at it. And yeah. that's the thing that you have to you have to be at home at peace with that. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. 
Welcome back to Center Court on the Winter Circle Network special day today. Kirk Whalem is our guest who's traveled all over the world, one of the great saxophone players of all time. And of course, Christmas, you know, it's a special time of year. And uh, Kirk, I would imagine that you know a little thing or two about Christmas albums, correct? Literally, I have two. One that got a Grammy nomination a while, about 10, 12 years ago, actually 15 years ago, just put out one about three weeks ago, man, called How Does Christmas Sound? They can just they really type that in, type in Kirk Whalum or, or not. How Does Christmas Sound? You'll probably find it, especially on Spotify and those. But mm-hmm. but really, it, it's I love it. You know, Christmas, my dad was was huge on Christmas. You know, he's he's in heaven now, man. But man, that guy loved Christmas. And, you know, for me, it has such a powerful meaning. It's like, if you're not a religious person, I have to be. But even if you're not, there's something about Christmas that draws you to it. It it makes you want to be better. It makes you want to be nicer to people. Um, It's just such a powerful holiday. I listen to Christmas music all year long. And not just any Christmas music, Nat King Cole Christmas oh, record. And you got to listen, listen to that one. Everybody oh, got to listen to that one for sure. Yeah. I listen to it all year long. Like it just calms me down, especially through the pandemic. Man, something about those lyrics and just the beautiful arrangements. I listen to it all the time. Believe me, no one, no one does it better than Kirk Whalen when it comes to Christmas time. Let's enjoy All I Want for Christmas from his new album, How Does Christmas Sound? That's uh, that's pretty salty, Kirk. That's pretty salty. <laughs> How many songs on the new CD? Twelve. The twelve days of Christmas. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right, all right. Everybody, download that one. That's for sure. We'll go we'll put that one out there. I gotta hear that one. Thank you, man. So, are you are you playing a version that on this new tour? On the new tour, yes. In fact, I'm featuring because I just finished doing. When I turned sixty, Ralph, I did this thing where I went to eight countries. I'm like, look. When I realized, I said, I'm turning sixty. Seemed like yesterday I was turning forty. <laughs> and I said, right. you know, you feel me, right? Yeah, and I feel I said, you. I feel you. <laughs> I said, so by that math, a couple of weeks from now, I won't be 80. So I got, I'm going to get busy, man. So I got on planes and went to, I backtracked to a lot of places I had been the last few years and encountered all these great young musicians, man, in South Africa and Kenya and, and Nigeria, uh, in France and England. It, you know, Indonesia, Japan. And I went and I recorded, I did collaborations with these young artists, man. And that CD is called Humanité, which is French for humanity. As you know, I used to live in France. Yes, yes. But man, I took one of those artists and I'm featuring her on the tour and the new record. Uh, her name is Andrea Lisa. 
Andrea Leeson. She's from New Zealand, man. And she can play that guitar. You know, think of Norman Brown, okay? Yep, Here yep. is this timid little girl, you know, she's, oh yeah, oh, she called me Unkirk. Oh, Unkirk, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I was thinking about playing simply flat, blah, blah, blah. And then she gets up there and like rips <laughs> just like scare people to death. But she, you know, Andrea is my special guest. We do some of her music and, and we do stuff from the Christmas record, man. Yeah, I, I, when, I, when I called you, I looked up and Max, she thought the chart. She's the real deal. So I look forward to hearing her live. She'll yes. be in D.C. So the tour is Houston. I know I'm coming to D.C. on the 18th, but yes, where you at with the tour and what's going on with that? So after D.C., I'm, I'm doing Carnegie Hall uh, next week. And then uh, oh, after that's, that's a good one to go to. All right. Nice, <laughs> nice little venue. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, we end the tour in Nashville. So so okay. folks will go to go to Kirk Whalum. They just, you know, hit me up on Facebook. Anything you'll see the itineraries okay. on there. But um, for sure, I'll see you at the Bethesda Jazz. Yes. Bethesda yes. Blues and Jazz. I love Bethesda. Beautiful place, man. It is that it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I look forward to that. When I saw the billboards up there, I'm like, okay, look, let me make sure I get to one of them. It's like, you number one, then there's, you know, Frankie Beverly is another one that you don't miss, but, you know, you, but I tell people all the time, you go to Frankie Beverly concert, he ain't made a new song in 40 years, but you can know happy feelings. Hey, I don't, I try not to miss the Frankie Beverly concert. Oh my God, it is crazy. <laughs> Just, that's great stuff. And Kirk Whalem, our guest on, on Center Court. Kirk, when you tour, my guess is you and you enjoy playing in front of live audiences. You no, know, Mac, it's, it's like anything else. Like there's a good side and a bad side. And so you just take the bad side and say, Hey, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Ralph will tell you, you know, just you're on the road, you're away from your family, you're eating food, you know, like, I mean, it's those types of things, but man, I mean, what, so what, I mean, the joy and the privilege of being out here doing what I love to do is what I've always wanted to do. And I'm just grateful to be back out there. Cause as you know, we had a year and a half of flatline. So it just amazes me to do what you've done this long and still doing it. I mean, I wish I could have played basketball as long as you played the, the, the saxophone. <laughs> I should have took up music probably when I was younger. So yeah, I, I didn't get beat up. Here. Yeah, you see, you get beat up too bad, man. As I know, now I got beat up with knees, so I get it. But, you know, you mentioned the wife early on, right? So I, I got to highlight that a little bit because, you know, most people out there, I mean, I've been through my divorce issues as well from that standpoint. But you and and and, and because of Ruby, yeah. Ruby, my grandmother was named Ruby on my dad's side. So we got a saxophone in, but... I know she's a special woman, right? That, that, she is, man. That, that had kids and took you and you're on the road and she's home taking care of. Tell, tell me a little bit about that dynamic so people yeah. understand. How do you keep that together like that in in today's world? Yes, sir. Well, first of all, her grandmother's name was Ruby, too. But um, Okay, all right. You know, so she was named after Ruby, right? The same, you know, uh, generation as your Ruby. But yeah, you know, here's the thing, man. You you doesn't take long to, to figure out that you are going to have to have someone who gets it and who is the stability factor. If you're gonna be bouncing off the walls, especially in a creative you know, area, yes, but even with sports, you have to have that, that stabilizing force, man. But I think, man, I'm in love with her. I think you know, th there's an aspect of it that people say, well, you know, you do this because you should do it. And yes, you're right. But I think it's about figuring out what is it about this person, man, that you can't live without. And, and, and then treating her like that. So in other words, when they say, Stevie said, my chérie amour. So <laughs> chérie, that word in French, chérie, it means cherished. Right. Right. Okay. So when you cherish something, someone, 
you treat them a certain way. There's certain things you, you, you can have restraint on yourself and what you might say or, or, or what you might do because you have that, that, that feeling inside, like I cherish this person. And man, people, people say, well, it's not a feeling, yo, but the feeling can be, can be super, super cool if you are willing to just focus in on that something and man, cherish it, man. And I've just, Absolutely. I've been cherishing her now for, you know, for 48 years, man. Kirk, that's wonderful. Terrific. Uh, when Ralph told me that we were going to have you on center court and I said, you know, I've, I've listened to your music and I've heard your albums and boy, that saxophone, you just know that sound when you hear it. So thank you so much for your time today. Good luck on the tour. Have fun, travel safe. And again, the album, What Does Christmas Sound Like? You can find it on Amazon and wherever the best music is sold. Kirk Whalem, continued success, and thank you so much for today. God bless you both, man. Thanks, man. Memphis, Tennessee's own Kirk Whalem. Center Court continues right after this. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sports casting, I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. Now the bells of Christmas Welcome back, Center Court Winter Circle Network. Ralph, uh, yeah, it was way too much fun. And over the last week or so, I've been listening to, uh, you know, his Christmas album, his new one, How Does Christmas Sound? Uh, Kirk Whalem, inspirational guy, family guy, not to mention one of the great saxophone players in our lifetime. I mean, I've been knowing him for a while, Mac. He's an amazing guy. And, and he's always been that way. Uh, mm -hmm. When I met him in Houston in, in 83, when I got drafted by the Houston Rockets, um, he's been this way the whole time and just to see his career evolve, you know, over the years and still going, it's amazing for me to watch and then to have a friendship with him is even better. But, uh, the great Kurt Whalen, Grammy award, Whitney Houston, uh, the story is amazing. So you guys that listen to that story, I hope you appreciate him Go on his website. He's got concerts, you know, all over the place right now. Be safe out there obviously with COVID, but, uh, what a guy. What a guy. And it's safe to say that you and Kirk were part of the Houston Mount Rushmore when talking about that Houston nightlife. Uh, I'm on the outside looking in. I'm just guessing. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know what we were doing, but we had a place in Houston, uh, the Western Gallery at the top of the building, and we could get away from the crowd. We could get away from the uh, people and the fans and, and like more of a, not a private place, but it was like our place and myself, Kim Olajuwon, Warren Moon, Earl Campbell, the likes of all those guys would come up there and just kind of hang out. And it was really special. I love it. And of course, Christmas time means that camps are right around the corner at Massanutten again, right? You've got, uh, you've got some activity at Massanutten following the Christmas holiday. Yeah, coming up and uh, they're, they're booking up fast, Mac. Uh, we got 27th and 28th, a two day 
And then the 28th and 29th, another two-day at Massanut Resort down in McGagadale, Elkton, Virginia area. Lovely mm-hmm. place, been our partners for a while. Hope we can do more stuff with them soon. But yeah, it's going to be fun. And we did it over the Thanksgiving holiday. It was fun to do. And I think this one will be even better uh, as well because of, uh, you know, just after Christmas, kids are going to be excited. They're going to have fun. They're going to have their toys. They might have a new basketball. Who knows? But I'm looking forward to it. You know what I was thinking about? And I'll close with this. I was thinking the other day, a year from now, December of 2022, you'll be running Christmas specials at your restaurant. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. so, I, so I did get a, I did get an update yesterday, Mike. So we will okay. open February the 1st. I think February 9th or so, we might do a service, but uh, invite you up. February 10th, yeah, we, I'm going to do a private private session with everybody, and then we'll be full board. Hopefully, after that, everybody cross your fingers and nobody wants to hear it, but that's the latest update uh, uh, as of yesterday. So, All right. I have already circled it on uh, on yes. my phone. So I've, I've bookmarked it, and it's good to go. Ralph, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Mac, it's been fun. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winter Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com.